Okay, open with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah uh, spans four kings. He was the uh, servant of four ungodly kings. And uh, the book of Isaiah, almost in the middle of the Bible there, is... One of the most beautiful books in the Old Testament because it's as if it's a Old and New Testament. 66 books. It's, it encompasses the, the forgiveness of God as well as the judgment of God. And Isaiah, his name actually means Yahweh is salvation. Isn't that good news? So, if you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 12, I just want to read a few scriptures here, and then we'll, we'll kind of, uh, we're going to jump in the New Testament. The book of Isaiah in this point, where we're at right now in 12, Isaiah is sharing the, the heart of God, and he is describing, you know, unto us will a child be born. He has already talked about. He's going to describe later on, you know, what Jesus Christ would, would come and do upon the cross in great, great detail. But in chapter 12, he describes what is on offer for all those who call on his name. That's us, isn't it? That's us. So 12.1, he says, and in that day... You will say, O oh Lord, I praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Some here tonight that that's really for. You, you feel like God's angry at you and he's, he's not. He wants to comfort you. There's a way forward for that for every one of us. We're going to be talking about that tonight as we go. He goes, says in verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. Wow. I mean, what a description of what God has for us. Therefore, with joy, will you draw water from the wells of salvation. Describing Yahweh is salvation. Describing what is, was going to be opened up for every one of us to walk into. And go with me to John chapter 4. There was this incident... With this woman, you, many of you will remember this, and she is a Samaritan. She's not Jew, a Jew at all. Um, she was an outcast, uh, and uh, she sees Jesus. She's at, at a well, and there's this opportunity, and this is really what we just read in Isaiah 12, 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, you will draw water from the wells, not well, wells. You know, there's many wells of salvation in Christ. We have to walk with God to find the next well. 
And this is what this woman found out. This is verse 10 of chapter 4, John 4.10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who, asks, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters, the wells of salvation. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? So she's thinking, as we do quite often, very naturally. Bucket, drawing water. This is going to be a special, you know, artesian water. You know, I'm sure that's what this is. Pure aqua, says pure. B-P-A, all this stuff, you know to make you feel better about water. And that's what's really what she was saying. She was saying, you know, naturally. It's, it's easy to, to look at the natural world, and especially in our lives in the last few years, isn't it? It's right before us, shouting out, give me attention. I want you to, to fear. I want you to look at what I feel you need, and then you'll be okay. Jesus said to her, though, after she said, verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? So she's investigating. That's pretty good, huh? Who gave us the well? This is the owner of the well. Are you greater than him as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. So that was the promise. And, and God has that for us now. How many here have come to know Christ as your Savior? Let me just see your hand, okay? Just about every person in here. So this is for us, right? Living water. Water that will feed our souls and then in turn will come and change our mind, right? We need our minds changed often, right? All you wives say yes, thinking of your husbands, maybe. We, but we need that. We need God to correct us, to rebuke us, right? To, to challenge our hearts, to urge us. That's what Hebrews 4, 12 is all about. The Word of God is like a double-edged sword, and it, and it cuts into the, to the soul. It, it divides soul and spirit. So we know this is wrong, this will never please God, this will please God. And now I will walk in that. It's, now I have a clear choice. That's how God is. He's not a God of confusion. So Isaiah spoke about this one to come, and here he is, and this woman is now talking about water in a well, and Jesus says, no, you drink that, which you have. Many, many, many times, that's why you're here. You're drawing out that same water. You will thirst again, and you're here because you thirst again. He said, but I have something greater. This water will become a fountain 
of living water within your soul. And that's what God wants to draw in us and us to draw from. All of us, right? So turn with me to chapter 7 now. John 7. Verse 37, 737. Someone stand up and read that for me. Okay, someone else. Thank you, brother. Can you do that? You stand up and read 737 and 38 loudly. 737, verse 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus said and cried out, saying, If I went thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers and living water. Okay, thank you. So, here's the promise. He who believes in me, out of his belly, out of his soul, will flow rivers of living water. Not a river, just like not a well. A number of rivers of living water, of living wisdom, of living direction, of living discernment. And we need that, right? Jesus wants to direct us, and it's all right here. We're accountable for this, but at the same time, we get to bask in it. We get to let him wash us, and it takes believing, and it takes repentance, right? He's waiting for us to do just that, and it's a choice. Uh, we... Uh, you saw the uh, sandwich board that, that uh, I put out every, every Saturday and Wednesday night, and, and, and it says happy hour, right? You saw that on the video. And one Saturday I was putting it out, and walks, along walks this young man um, from Slovakia, there's every nation you can think of except for English there, even though it's England. Uh, and he looks up at our window, doesn't, doesn't give me any mind, looks up at our window and takes a picture of this big cross we have. That's uh, got all the names of Jesus. We got, we got the, the face of it from Hobby Lobby. Love that store. And uh, then I made it, put it on a piece of wood, big cross, and then put... Um, Lights all around it, so it's always on. And so you can see, see it from several blocks away, but he liked that during, in, during the day. But he saw it, and he's taking this picture. And so as gentle and kind as I am, I said, so what does that mean to you? No, I didn't. I, I, that's what I said. I didn't say, hi, my name's Steve. What's your name? And, uh, and so, you know, as most 20 two-year-olds, he didn't hear me because he had his earplugs in, his earphones in, and he's listening to music. And he pulls them out and says, excuse me? I said, well, I was asking, what does that cross mean to you that, that you would take a picture of it? And he said, well, you know, God's, God's uh, uh, I see in the Bible, there's, there's a lot of talk about Jesus. And I've been reading different scriptures about Jesus in the Bible. And some of my friends have been saying, read, read the Bible. And so I was reading that, and I know Jesus died on a cross. 
And so I wanted to take a picture. I, th- I, th- I like that. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, you want to come in and we'll talk? He said, well, actually, I'm on my way to an uh, interview. He was a, he is a physical trainer um, for disabilities and for uh, sports injuries. And uh, he was going to apply for this job. And I said, okay. And he said, you yeah, know, I'll come on in for a little bit. He came in and we're talking. And after about 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, I grabbed a Bible and I said, Martin, that's his name. I said, Martin, start reading in Genesis and read all the way through to Revelation. And God will start speaking to you about who Jesus is. He will also be speaking to you a lot of other things. And he said, ah, okay, I can have this Bible. I said, yeah. So that's all we had, all we talked about. Went out and uh, our uh, service on Wednesday night, just like this, he, all of a sudden, he walks right through the door, you know, right past that sandwich board. And uh, walked in the door, had that same Bible, went and sat down. And said, good evening. Sat down. Happy, happy little guy. Big guy. His legs are about that big. Power lifter. And uh, so I said, so how did your interview go? He said, oh, I missed it. No, it's too late. I said, but I went back and got the job. I said, oh, okay, good. I felt a little better. And he started coming, and he was just hungry for learning about the Word of God. He was letting the, the wells of salvation enter into his soul. He was permitting God to give him these living words, these, this living water. And, and it was affecting him. It was nothing we did. It was God doing it. And it was, there was lots of seeds already planted in him. And along comes him to this place, and I say, so what does that cross mean to you? So, what we didn't know, there was going to be the lockdown, severe lockdown was going to happen about two weeks later. And so Martin was coming, and, uh, and so I announced, I said, listen, the lockdown's coming, but we're going to stay open. Anyway, it's funny because the government didn't know, doesn't know what to do with us. A pub? A church? A pub? A church? Pub church? Pub church? Oh, forget it. They aren't sure because you could, you know, pubs could stay open. Churches couldn't. So, um, so we just stayed open, and, um, but I just had people ring the doorbell and come in anyway, like that, because the police would come in and disguised as someone that was coming to Bible study and then, and then cite you, fine you. And we had heard some from, some from friends that, that it happened, so... I said, listen, we're gonna, I'm going to start a Bible college for three to six months, depending on how it goes, during the lockdown. And so whoever would want to come, and most of the people said they wanted to come. I said, okay. Martin was one of them. I'm coming. So we were on, I said, it's uh, the only requirement in the, the Bible college is one thing. You have to read this book from Genesis to Revelation. Well, Martin was already on his way. He said, okay, pastor. And so when the first night, first day came, it was on Saturday, we had class for three hours each Saturday. When the first Saturday came, Martin walks in and he's sitting there at the bar and uh, having a good strong cup of tea. What do you think I was going to say? And, um, and 
he said, uh, it was about three minutes before we were supposed to start. He said, hey, Steve, Steve. I said, yeah. He said, will you baptize me? And I said, okay, all right. And I'm thinking, he doesn't know the Lord yet. A little premature. But man, I like that excitement, right? He's wanting the wells of the living God. He's speaking about, he's past where that woman was, where she said, you don't have anything to draw with. He, he, was, he was letting God do some beautiful things just in the short time he was with us. And now he wants to get baptized. And so I said, yeah, it's time to start the, uh, the Bible, first Bible course, first week. And so I said, hey, listen, does anybody mind if I go over baptism for Martin? Because he was the only one that didn't know the Lord. And uh, they loved him. He's easy to love. And um, they said, fine. So I started teaching and I was sharing about baptism and the you know, how, how beautiful it is to walk in that um, obedience and what God does in your heart. And, you know, and I, I told them, you know, I said, um, most of the time people would invite unbelievers to time to really publicly. So Martin looked, I said, but, you know, it's, it's a, a something you do after Christ has redeemed your soul and you are going down in the water, and I'm describing it, and up with, in life, and, but you must be born of God's Spirit. And Martin, I looked over at Martin, he's getting very emotional, and he said, I, can that happen to me now? I said, yeah. So he walks up, cries out to God, and gets saved in the first 25 minutes of the first Bible college session. And let me tell you, he started reading from Genesis to Revelation, and and. and he started coming over two times a day because the, the place you'd go by is, you know, so he'd come by in the morning and eat 12 eggs. And all he wanted to do was talk about the Word of God. Let me, let me, let me share, you know, ask you about this. Let's, what about this? Look at what God is saying here. And he's, yeah, he's in the Old Testament. It's alive. It's the foundation of the new. And every time he would come, he would sit down, grab a Bible, and he said, I'm just going to read for a little bit. He'd already been reading for hours that morning, but he could not get away from the wells of salvation. He could not get away from that fountain that had welled up in him. And then it came time, time uh, for the severe lockdown, and he said, I can still get baptized, can't I? And we, I said, yeah. I'm looking at Tina, you know. Because you've got a three-people bubble in, in the UK. It has to be your friends or your relatives. And, you know, whatever that is. Anyway, the bubble thing. And uh, so we just popped the bubble and um, said, Martin, yes, you know, invite. Because he was a physical trainer, so he had a lot of different friends. He invited. He, he finally he, he texted us and said, I've got nine, so more, nine of them so far coming. And, you know, there's, there's at least three or four more. And I said, okay, Martin. Um, I'm thinking, wow. And, he, well, you know, we had the most fantastic baptism. If we, if we had time, I'd show you the next video, which he's being baptized. But, um, and, and for other people. But um, God wants to baptize us in not just the Holy Spirit, but with fire. And I think many of you would say God's been doing that. 
He's been baptizing me with a very difficult things in my life. And, and, I, and I have failed him. But as Isaiah said in chapter 12, verse 1, you may think he's angry, but he's come to be the Savior of our souls. Jesus, the Savior of our soul. That's the singular thing that God wants to do. You know, I still get a call from Martin while we've been here for the last three months, usually a couple, three, four times a week. Yeah. You know, but he's so excited about reading through. He's, he's going to finish the second time through. And it's, it's God doing the work. It's not us. <laughs> if it was us, he'd be some, you know. I mean, I'm sick of me. Why would I want somebody else like me? So, as you turn with me uh, back to the, the book of John, uh, Matthew, chapter 5, I want you to think about what we've just been talking about. What can God do in our soul? Will I permit the wells, the fountains, the rivers of life change me? challenge me? Can I put up my hands and say, God, I don't want this, but I don't care. I want you. You're more important than this. So whatever you want to do, I want that to be done. Work in me. Chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus is going to talk about the Beatitudes, and actually chapter 5, 6, and 7 are all Jesus nonstop talking because he sat down. Verse 1, he sat down, he's nonstop talking. So the B attitudes are what? How to have an attitude. But none of us need that, do we? We don't need our attitudes changed. Everything's doing really well, you know. He, he starts off and he says, blessed, number, uh, chapter, verse 3, I believe it is. He says, blessed are those, what's he say, are poor in spirit. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. This word blessed, you know what it means? Happy! That's it. Happy. How many people want to be happy? All right? How many people want to be miserable? Right? We, we ha- God constantly wants to change us through the, the wells of salvation, the waters of life. That, women, that woman found out But you know what it took to get the wells of salvation in her heart? If we read about this, we'd find out she had to repent. He said, you know, she she had five men, you know, and and, uh, I don't think at the same time, but she had five men in her life. and, And Jesus said, you know, I know this. We can't hide from God, right? I mean, God knows our thoughts, right? If God knows our thoughts, why are we so quick to try to act like he doesn't? As if my thoughts is my thoughts, and God doesn't, he can't do that. All along Jesus' walk on this earth, he said, and it says, and he knew their thoughts, and he knew what they were thinking. He's God and he loves us and he wants to heal us. 
That's what the promise was in Isaiah chapter 12, that he would send the one that would be the God of salvation. The sozo, the God of salvation, healing. The God that will change everything. But the requirement was blessed. There's nine blesseds here. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. In other words, humble, and and they're like this. That's what I want. You know, it doesn't do any good to know what's going to happen before it happens unless God tells you about it. But when we try to figure it everything, everything out so that we can prepare for everything, we fail the test. God is looking for faith. And we get faith from hearing the word of God. Right? Can't get it any other way. You can't... I think I just got a little more faith. Tina. Really groaned. Faith comes from hearing the word of God, it says in Romans, right? Faith is heard. It's, it's hearing of the word of God that causes a change in our thinking, change in our soul so that we can store that, that water up, those wells, those rivers of living water up so that when we are walking out into this world or we are in a situation, that well is ready to affect our thinking. Without that, we're hopeless. We will think about what we just saw on the television. We'll think about what that, you know, that person just passed us up and caught, cut us off on the road. We'll think about oh, too many red lights, too many potholes. We will, th- you know, on and on, right? But if the wells of the living God, the rivers of the living God are in our souls, there's something to draw from into our thinking. And we can be content with whatever God has before us. No other way can that happen. But the only way is be poor in spirit, humble. And he says right here, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. He wasn't talking about wherever heaven is, right? He wasn't talking about, he was talking about now that the spirit of a living God would, would dwell in the, the believer. And the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, is within you. We keep looking for something else, right? We keep trying to wait, hold our breath for the next possible virus or the next, you know, difficulty. And, and yet God is saying, I got all of this if you will just trust me. So if faith comes from hearing the word of God, and Ephesians says... For by grace, right, you are saved through faith. It's the only way we can get grace, right? Grace. Who can give me a a quick definition of what they feel uh, the New Testament uh, says grace is? I'm only going to wait two drinks. Most definitely, it's undeserved, isn't it? Favor. But in the New Testament, grace is because of Christ, he, the kingdom of heaven is in us. So 
the deposit of the word of God is metamorphized. You know, metamorphosis, a, a caterpillar, bam, it comes out and as a, a butterfly or a moth, whatever it is. But it, it's the kingdom of God within us, he, it, it, the, the wells of the living God, when we hear his word, metamorphize into grace. And it, it abides in us and influences us. That's what God, all God wants to do is influence us, right? We have enough influences, right, in our life. We've got alcohol, we've got drugs, we've got, oh yeah, our ego, stronger than any of those. God wants to fill us up with his word so that we are prepared in season and out of season, right? And so there is nine Happies. Happy are those who. The first one is the only way into all the rest. Number one is number one because it's number one. So is the Ten Commandments. Right? So happy. He gets down to uh, verse four, those that mourn, they'll be comforted. Those that are meek inherit the earth. Those that hunger Verse 6, and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. Blessed are they that are merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Anybody want mercy? Blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. And look at the number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Wouldn't, Wouldn't that be beautiful to hear in this time of war right now? Blessed are the peacemakers. And you just hear, somebody was reading the Bible. You know, Zelensky was reading the Bible and said, I want to be a peacemaker because I read about it. I want the Spirit of God to be, give you and, you and I, Putin, uh, peace. God promises. But verse 10 is the last one. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, say, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It goes back to number one. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted, he says, for righteousness' sake, not for Steve's sake, righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the same thing. So the next two verses, God, uh, Christ illustrates this last and very important blessing. Who would ever think it was a blessing to be persecuted? Who would ever think it would be a blessing to, as it says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So all these blessings, but the last one he elaborates on, not in one verse, but three. Because we have to be prepared. Persecution, people reviling against us, is one of the hardest things to put up with. You know why? I don't deserve this. 
I'm a nice person. You know, all that goes through our heads. Why are they doing to this to me? God, why are you permitting this? And we get to that point. And then we say, you know, if this is the way that you're going to permit God for things to happen, then, I, you know, I'm just, I don't know. We get to this, this ungrateful heart because the Word of God is not dwelling in us richly. It's not the, the waters. It's not the rivers of life. It's just what I think. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, he says one more blessed blessing. He says many blessings, but this one I think is very important. He says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Anybody been offended lately? We all have, haven't we? But, but he says, blessed are those who are, are, are not offended because of me, because of his name. You know what this word offended means in the Greek? It's a, first of all, it's, it's a thinking that traps the mind. Offended. But here's the, 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 the source of the definition. It's an expectation that rejects God's truth. So we're offended because I have an idea of what I want to happen, mostly because of what I've done. So what I've done and what I've done again and what have I done again equals my will. That's really the, the thinking behind that. And we, we have that expectation in our own will, and in doing so, we reject the truth of God. Because the Word of God, we're not listening, can overcome that. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. He did it for us, right? So all of these, I mean, we could go... Uh, to many, these are like teachings, very simple, some of them very detailed, but he says, uh, uh, for instance, 34, 534, he says, uh, do not, but I say you do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is his footstool. So he talks about make, taking oaths or saying, I will do this, I will do that, in the name of God. He says, don't do that. So it's simple, right? Here's chapter 7, verse 1. Here's a, here's a tough one, right? He says, Judge not that you should not be judged. That's a tough one, isn't it? You know, a lot of people say that to me often when I'm, I'm preaching, and they'll, they'll say, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge. They know that. They don't know where it's at, but they know they've heard that over and over. The Bible says you're not supposed to judge, so stop judging me that I'm a sinner. And I usually say, stop judging me that I'm judging you. And they're huh? Yeah, you're judging me that I'm judging you. Stop it. If you stop, I'll stop. We get confused about judgment. Judgment is, he's talking about condemnation here. Don't condemn someone. Don't make a final verdict is what a condemnation is. And so Jesus is teaching all these things. 
And uh, 728 says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught with them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So they saw Jesus and he's teaching and everything he said was right. And he didn't try to lord it over them. Matter of fact, he fed them. He not only fed them, he healed them. Cast out devils. Everywhere he went, it was joy. The living waters were overflowing in, in Christ. There was no shortage he had the Spirit of God without limit because he was God in the flesh. And everywhere he went, I mean, how many of you would have liked to, to uh, walk with Jesus when, when he was on this earth? I, I, I thought I would too. But then I realized he knows what we think. Yeah, and I'd be sitting there saying, that's really good, but I'm thinking about that right now. Oh, gosh, he knows what I'm thinking, Right? Shouldn't we be like that, though? Shouldn't we understand that, that, that he knows what we're thinking all the time? Because our thoughts are as words to God. They really are. And so we have this opportunity to enter in. And he's giving these happy. You want to be happy? Here's how you be happy. He's telling all the disciples. And he talks about condemnation. Don't condemn, you know. Judge as you wish to be judged is really what he's getting at here. And then... When they finished hearing, he stopped. They were astonished, for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. Guess what? He wants you to know too. And the only way that we can know who we are and not be afraid of everything on this earth is to let the Word of God wash us every morning. I'm going to say for an hour and a half. There I said it. Let the Word of God wash us and go into hearing the Word of God, not saying, I think I will read, find all the scriptures that have to do with love. Because I want to be more love. I want more love in my life. Now, start reading. Have you heard this one yet from me? In Genesis. And, and let God speak to you and keep a little journal that God, what God corrects you in, what God... It's, it's going to be your, your manual for prayer. Let me ask a, uh, a difficult question that I, I, um, not like, that I haven't already. But what is the difference between prayer and reading the Bible? Anybody? What's the difference? Yes. That's fantastic. What's your name, brother? Dave. Dave, beautifully put. Well, I read it somewhere. Well, you remembered it. <laughs> you remembered it, Dave. So, which is more important, do you think? If you had to pick one of the two, and I'm just putting this down, okay. Would you like to talk to God in prayer, or would you like God to talk to you? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Right? Well, guess what? The Bible says that God already knows what's on our lips before we speak it, on our minds before we think it. So are you telling God anything new? No. And when God speaks to you in His Word, is He saying anything new to you and I? 
So that, that's why Jesus said, you know, that he was the word of God. Prayer is a beautiful expression that God gives us the privilege of walking in. But if we don't hear the word of God first, guess what we're going to pray? Everybody's favorite song. Me, 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 me. You know that song? We all pray about me, 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 me. And God, I'm just you know, tired of this and that. But if we were letting God wash our water in the fountain of the living wa- of, of wells and the rivers of God's word, we would find that God solves that as we read. And he implants in our spirit a joy beyond what we're looking at in that difficulty. And we start walking with authority. We're not moved by any authority, but the authority of God in our hearts and minds. And so that all of a sudden, that person says, I've got so much in me. I've got to do something about this. Hey, you over there. I got to tell you something. I was jogging down uh, Walworth Road or whatever over there uh, yesterday. And... uh, I'm jogging, and I felt so full of God's word. I was so, so excited, and I'm looking for someone to tell. I'm jogging, you know. And uh, I've got a, uh, a headband that says, Jesus is Savior on it, uh, just what Isaiah means. And uh, by the way, I have a son named Isaiah, our middle son. And um, I didn't see anybody. I'm thinking, oh, well, it's just for me, and I'm running. And all of a sudden, I see one person, and he's stand, leaning against his garage door. Uh, he has the door open. He's, he's taking off some boots, and I said, excuse me, sir. He said, I said, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I was on the other side of the road. The car, you know, and he said, I mean, what do you got to lose, right? He could have said, and that would have been just as good as this because it's the word of God that does the work. It's not me. It's not you. God plants. God waters, makes it grow. And so that somebody like Martin, I can sit back and say, God, let your will be done in his heart because your word is alive. You've given authority to him. Through your word. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You and I can have authority. And I'm not talking about, you know, push people down. You're, the word of God will end up causing you to lift and encourage and seeking opportunities to do just that. And the authority of the world will become little. You won't be moved by it. We can go throughout the whole Bible and see people like that, Right? And we, we really like what they, you know, we siege Samson, you know. We like to see David, you know. We like to see Goliath down for the couch, you know. We like to see God's men and women in action, Ruth and Deborah. And, you know, they knew the authority of God in their lives. They were walking in that. By, by the way, I said to Sarah earlier what... Um, uh, William Booth said to uh, all the, the people that were working with him in London at one time, he's the, he's the one that founded the, the Salvation Army. God had done so much. And he said, I want to let you know something today. My, be- my, my best men are women. That's what he said. 
<laughs> that's pretty bold, huh? Because he saw their hearts. They were just serving. They didn't have, it wasn't, men, men would come, well, I worked really hard today, and I just, you know, or, but he, he, he felt like that was something he needed to say. He had authority in his life, and God did great things. And he said, the reason why God did great things with me, because my God and Savior had all of me. Yeah, all of me. They asked him, how did you do all this? He said, all my will, all my soul, all my attitude. And we can be in that position. Now look at verse chapter 8. <laughs> you are patient, I think. Uh, so, chapter 8, verse 5, this is the example. So, if we were to eat, or eat, if we were to read chapter all of five, all of six, and all of seven, we'd be sitting down listening to Jesus, right? And then the people come and they say, you don't speak like the scribes and the Pharisees. You're a man of authority. Now, Jesus knew that this next thing would happen. This is the example of all of this, of all examples of the kind of man or woman we need to be with, with God. So verse 5 says, 8-5, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. This was a Roman a Gentile. Jesus immediately says, I'll come. That doesn't happen very often in the scriptures. He goes to Jews. He goes, you know, he said he came for the lost tribe of Israel. But this man comes and he knew there's something exceptional about this man. And it's proved by what we're about to read. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Speak a word, not five or six. He said, all I got to know is that you say what you say. That's it. Not in a certain, you know, order. Speak a word. You're not, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. There's that blessed, that happy, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And just say, my, my, my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. So Jesus now listened. Everybody listened to him. Now he listens to this man. And he says, it says in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. It's the only time Jesus marvels in the entire Gospels. Except for he marvels at unbelief. And he said to those following, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And 
but the sons of the kingdom, which is the Jews, will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the sneering, go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So we see all this coming about. And we sit back and we say, okay, God, that's, I want to be that centurion, right? I want to be that person that says, Lord, use me. Lord, all you have to do is say a word. You know, we're very accountable before God. We're one of the only generations that have had the word of God. You know, it's only been, uh, you know, a few hundred years, a few you know, that, that we could sit here and all have the Word of God so that we could read it whenever we wanted to. That means we're accountable. That's why America's judgment is so great. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? Will you join me and read, start reading from Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation? Will you take a time in the morning and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to read before I go to work or I'm going to read before I go do what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to bed early if I have to. I'm going to hear God's word. I'm going to walk in that. And then I'm going to pray and seek God and let him rightly divide the word of God in my soul, dividing it for my blessing and my benefit. So a young man um, uh, came to the, to the outreach center and he um, we, when they come, we live on the top two floors of that building, you see. And he came into the building, or he came at the door, rang the doorbell, and I went downstairs. And I opened the curtain, and there he was standing, looking at me in the window on the other side of the door, going, give me a chance, okay? I'm not making fun of him. But that's what he looked like, all right? And I immediately knew, of course, but, and so I opened the door, he said, how, I said, how can I help you? And he said, I need counseling, I need help. And I said, yes, you do, come on in. And he said, listen, I came to know Christ three years ago, and I have fallen back into the sin of homosexuality, gross homosexuality. And he started crying to tell me, I said, I don't want to hear it. I get the picture, I understand. And he said, I don't know what to do. I, I can't figure this out. He said, I, I went by on the bus and saw, it said the London, London Outreach Center, and then I saw quickly it said counseling. And he said, I live far away from here, so I had no idea where this building was, but I wrote that down quickly. He said, that was several weeks ago. And he said, but I've digressed more. And he said, I, I got on a... a a, an underground train, and I just decided I'd get on the train and just try to forget everything that I'm doing. And he said, uh, I felt like God said, get off. So I got on off the, the, the tube, the train, and I went up to the ground level, and I took a left and walked, and there you, there's the building. And, and I said, well, Frank, I said, um, I can't help you. That's what I said, I, I can't help you, help you but I know God can. But you have to let God fill your soul. You took steps 
to get to where you are willingly. Now you have to take steps willingly to let God put his word in you and create in you a clean heart. Create in you his love, his joy, his purpose. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Kindness, meekness, gentleness, long-suffering. What's that last one? Self-control. Don't we all need that? And as we're in the Word of God, God starts doing that in us and adds to it. And adds to it and adds to it. And gives us strength, authority in our lives. His Word is authority. And Frank, I gave him a Bible and I said, Frank, I want you to, what did I say? I want you to read from Genesis to Revelation for three hours a day. And he looked at me and he said, I'll do it. I said, well, we'll, we'll meet once a week and we'll talk about what you've read, what, how God is changing your heart in that notebook that I described to him to write in. Very short, very concise, but let God say, God, speak to me. Just open the Genesis. Well, Tuesday came, and guess what? Frank didn't show up. And then another Tuesday came, and he still didn't show up. Gave him two Tuesdays. So about three and a half months later, four months later, I'm preaching at Speaker's Corner. When I get finished, I get down and off the ladder, and I say, if anybody wants to talk, I'll be right down here. If you want to argue, go to that guy. But uh, joke with that, but... Um, that's what I say. And um, so these two guys came up and said, hey, we would like to know what you're talking about when you say you have to be born of God's spirit, that there's, there's, a, there's, there's a need for us to be born again. So I'm, I'm explaining it to them, and up walks another guy, and I looked at him just to you know, make sure that he didn't think I was not looking at him, and I said, do you know what we're talking about here? He said, yes, I know. I know what you're saying. So I talked with these two guys and they, they, for another five minutes or so, and then they walked away and I turned to, to this guy, other guy and I said, uh, I said, hi. I said, my name's Steve, what's your name? And he looked at me and he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no, I don't, I'm really sorry, but I don't. And he said, Steve, I'm Frank. And I said, really? I said, I would have never thought of it, never thought. Because all his outward emotions and gestures were all completely different. He said, ever since I left that day, I've been reading three and four hours a day. I've read through the Bible so many times now. He said, in the last three and four months, he said, God has so changed me within. He said, I know who I am. He's given me peace. He's given me strength. He gave him authority to know who he was. That's what God does. Now, if God can change Frank, can he change us? Are we any different than Frank? No, we're really not. Whether a little bit or a lot of it that we are away from God, God wants to change us and give us his grace that comes through faith. No other way. And if we will trust him for that, he will do that. But it's his process. Turn with me one last Scripture, and I promise it really is the last one. First Peter. 
everybody okay? If you need to get up and do jump, jumping jacks, they call them star jumps there in England, but you're welcome to do that. I, I, I would even like that, to watch that. 113, 1 Peter. Now, who was Peter really quick? Who was Peter? Anybody? Who was Peter? I mean, he's, we got his book here, but who was Peter when he first came on the scenes? Huh? What? Huh? I'm just hearing whispers. I'm way up here. He was a fisherman, okay? He was a very plain guy, right? At, at, at certain times in the life of him with the, as, as disciples, he said, you know, Lord, I will never, ever deny you, right? Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. No, I won't. I won't. Another time he says, uh, when Jesus said to him, um, you know, who do people say I am? And he said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't give you that information, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you because we're babes and he wants to reveal things to us, right? And then he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this understanding of the truth, I will give my church authority to stand, to walk, to run, to obey my will. You know, Jesus had no will of his own. He didn't. He said, thy will be done all the time. You look at it. He never says, I think I will. He never says that. He always says, even on the cross, even in Gethsemane, he says, this, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will. He had the will of the Father. He came to die for our sins so that he could give us authority in our hearts and souls in his word so that we could pray right. And we can pray with authority and trust God in His Word. Faith gives birth to an influence. When you've got the Word of God, you're, you're, you're walking with the strength. You ever seen a drunk person walk, you know, right? And you understand they're under influence. Well, God wants to influence us by His grace after we hear the Word. Every single day, Frank received that. And he, and, he, and, and he said, you know what? It's hard to find a church now. Because every time I go, they want to talk about some kind of social activity, even from the pulpit. So 1 Peter 1.13 says, and this is Peter figuring everything out, right? He's got his own inspired words from God, and he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your Mind. Mind. I remember when he said, um, Jesus, you know, said, hey, be ready. And he takes off that sword and he chops off the guy's ear. He, he, he learned by his failures. We have to let God teach us from our failures. And, and he, now he knows, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace. Fully. Rest your hope fully on the grace that what? That is to be brought you. Can't get grace on your own. I can't get it. You can't get it. God has to get it, give it to us through at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
When we read this, God reveals things. That's what revelation. He takes off the covers of my eyes. And he gives me spiritual thoughts rather than physical thoughts. That's why he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What an opportunity do we have to serve God. God forgives. God heals. God shows us all we need. Everything that pertains to what? Life and godliness is written in the word of God. Will you join with me tonight to speak to God in your souls and say, God, do with me whatever you want. That's all I want. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful because you, oh God, you didn't say that we had to do certain steps in order to get a privilege that you did every step for us. It's not of works, or else we'd all be fighting about boasting in our works. As, as the disciples then, then the apostles have realized nobody was greater. That Lord, you, you, you commanded us to have a, a heart like a child, willing to be directed, willing to listen, holding your hand in this, these trials, and then being ready to, to ask forgiveness so that you could flood us with the water of life. Oh God, we're tired of living on natural water, oh God. And we want to hear your word every single morning, every single day. Feed us. We walk with you, Lord God, hand in hand. We seek first your kingdom, O oh God, and your righteousness. And then all these things that really are just things will be given to us. We seek that, O oh God. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. Father, fill us as we read your word, as we put you first in our hearts and our minds, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we have a... Uh, table over there if you'd like to be on a month we are have a monthly newsletter with things like frank and martin and pit, a picture and then a, a you know something that god did and um if you want to be on that monthly list you're welcome to get on it it is um snail mail all right no email snail mail you know your physical address of your house and we send that uh once a month all right all right, God's grace to you. Anything else, Pastor Rob? Okay. So does anybody have any questions or anything that they would like to, to ask or you just want to hightail at home? <laughs> I did go long, didn't I? You're very patient. Well, thank you. Anybody want have any questions about the Outreach Center or about um, the ministry that we do. I'll, I'll tell you quickly um, one of them. How many years have you been there? We've been in London for 29 years. Mm -hmm. in, in London, and, and before that, we were missionaries for five years in the Philippine Islands. Wow. Yeah, it's our life. We've been the over, overseas longer than we have lived here. Yes? Any specific prayer requests you can pray for you guys? Yes. Um, health, 
protection. It, it definitely, I mean, um, if I had time, I'd share with you some people that came, said they were going to throw me in the bus, you know, underneath the bus when, if I didn't stop preaching. Um, that One of that was on the, the newsletters. We go to a place called Whitechapel, and the, the, um, the, it's all Muslim. Um, it's, you know, you look, you're in Afghanistan or somewhere, you know, a stand, I don't know. But um, they took over, and that's where William Booth had his when he started. But they have accepted Tina and I, and I get to preach, and they are like this, you know. It's, it's amazing. Um, but um, during, the, during COVID, the, these about 30 uh, drug uh, street people took over, broke in, and took over one of the shops that was empty. And they yelled at me one week when I was preaching. They said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come down there. We're trying to sleep. It was like 1230, you know as if it was their house, you know. They had, they had electricity and everything. Um, but um, God saved us from that, that situation. They did come down trying to try to grab me and throw me under a bus. And uh, God gave me great authority and great grace. And the guy ended up backing off saying, okay, okay, okay. You know, because I said, if you don't back off, I'm going to get back up there and preach. Okay, okay. You know, and then... A week later, we go. You know, this happened several weeks in a row, um, and that one culminated in that that uh, they tried to grab me and I jumped off of this little um, fake stump of a tree that uh, had three of them. It's right at the bus stop. They just decoration, but I'm convinced it's for preaching. And uh, so, um, then that third, fourth week that we went, I'm preaching, I'm looking up, waiting for them to come out, open the window and yell. And God had him taken away somehow, you know. But they heard the gospel, and, and it really meant a lot to the Muslims, you know. Um, so it, it's really uh, a beautiful thing. We have in the Outreach Center the first, um, uh, we started it about 25, 24 years ago, something like that. It was, it's a homeschool resource library, so we have, I don't know how many curriculum in there, about 6,000 books, and it's the only homeschool resource library, the first one in England. And so we had people coming from five, six hours away sometimes, you know, just to get books so they could teach the kids at home. Now it's really pretty, pretty much exploding as most, you know, schools are, and, uh, We've got Chinese families, Russian families from the Ukraine. We've got Lithuanians um, and English every now and then. But uh, lots of different nationalities. It's illegal to, to teach their kids in their in Christian education. So they're like wanting to come often to pick these books. And the kids are just, you know, can't believe it. So we've had, we have that. Tina's the librarian down in, it used to be where the... Um, snooker table was and we made it into a room and I uh, built a bunch of shelves with the help of another guy and um, and so we have all these books in there so it's a beautiful ministry um, and they just really are thankful you know to uh, to have this resource because England doesn't have their own curriculum and you know, they tried I mean it's kind of they couldn't do it any other questions We have um, t right now two guys there uh, running the outreach center. Um, one of the guys was an alcoholic, and he was an AA right down the road. It's never like a one-sentence answer. I'm sorry. Um, 
And he, uh, he came in one day and he, he said, I was sitting there in, my, in the alcohol anonymous uh, how, my, my room, he said, and I, and I found a Bible somewhere, picked it up and started reading it, and God, God healed me, he saved me. And uh, so he started coming, and after a couple years, um, God put him over three alcohol, uh, um, addiction houses, and he's getting paid for it. And he, and he still wants to do everything in the house. He, and he, he moved into the outreach center. So, um, next question. Anybody else? So we have Saturdays. We have Wednesdays. We, uh, Sunday, that, that what you see there is always on a Sunday. It's only on a Sunday. Speaker's Corner. Um, and it is confrontational. Someone right before we came back here got stabbed five times from a Muslim, a Muslim woman that came to know Christ um, from, where was she from? Turkey. Turkey. And uh, it was all caught on video. They haven't caught the guy, the Muslim guy, because he has his, his um, Muslim uh, dress underneath his, his, his coat, but he's going after her, and you can see him trying to stab her over and over again. And she hit, he hit the, her arm a couple, three times, and then missed once, and then the last one hit her right in the forehead and broke the knife in half. <laughs> Isn't God good? But she fainted and uh, got back up about 15 minutes and started sharing the Lord again. And her, she is just, her name's Hutan, right? Beautiful uh, young woman that is, now she's got all these guys guarding her, and they didn't want any of them. But they, you know, she has authority. June 6th, we, we fly back. We've been um, gone already three months, but we come back once every two years, or yes, every two years, just as uh, Pastor Rob was saying the last time, and, um, and just share wherever God opens the door. Like you said, you were running in Walworth. Yes. Well, we just got here last Friday, and I was uh, sharing at um, Pastor Ray Tompkins Webster, Calvary Chapel. There, Ray, uh, I came to know Christ through Ray. Oh, wow. He and his family went down cool. to South Florida, and um, I had, was in a head-on car accident and miserable, overwhelmed, and I just went to his Bible study because my brother invited me, or didn't invite me, and I got upset. So anyway, I got, ended up at this Bible study, and the third time Ray said, So, Steve, when did you come to know the Lord? <laughs> um, he said... I thought it was longer, but he said that uh, from, from the pulpit, because uh, I shared there also Wednesday, last night, he said that um, he baptized me in a few days would be 40 years, so in, in the, the ocean in Naples. So, yeah. So that's where I was running. Yeah. Did I, was it you out there? No. <laughs> I live in Ontario, which is nice. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? Anybody angry? <laughs> talk, to, talk to him. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your patience. It's been a beautiful time.